Before Mass started, I was chatting with what I believe to be one of Jason's cousins once removed, who was about this tall, right? And as anybody who's about this tall, they ask the best questions because they get to the fundamentals. And one of the questions he asked me was, why do you baptize? Now, thankfully, he got distracted and have to answer that exactly because that's a hard question. When somebody asks a Catholic why we baptize, the best answer we can give is, well, because the people before us did it. And the best answer they can give is, because the people before us did it. Eventually, you get back to, well, because the apostles did it. And eventually, because we're pretty sure Jesus told us to do it. End of Matthew, Matthew 28, look it up. He did tell us to do it. I describe sacramental theology like, and this reference is going to be lost on most of you, but those of you who get it are worth it. I describe it like the song from Lamb Chop. At the end of the song from Lamb Chop, there was a song that was, this is the song that never ends, oh, it goes on and on, my friends. Some people started doing it not knowing what it was, and then they kept on doing it forever just because. Right? Yeah, see, you're worth it. That's sacramental theology. We started doing it, we had no idea what it was, and then we just kept on doing it forever just because. Right? Jesus told us to do it, the apostles did it, the successors to the apostles did it, and we just kept on doing it. Which is why tonight is so special. Because most of you have not attended an Easter vigil. Most people stay away from it because it lasts about three hours. And I don't blame you, I made my mom go once, and she said, never again. I don't care that you're a priest, I'm never going to that again. Well, it's a privilege to watch adults get baptized, because what we're witnessing is the primitive church. We're witnessing what the apostles did at the very, very beginning. And we're especially blessed with this family, the Schuler family. Two of them were baptized in infants already. Three of them, including little baby Brooklyn, have not been baptized yet. And this is what the apostles experienced. They didn't experience other people baptizing, right? They were the first ones to do that. But they experienced people coming to them as families. The, God, the, the apostles would preach the gospel, like on Pentecost. That's tomorrow's reading. This is the vigil reading. The day reading is the apostles getting the tongues of fire and preaching on Pentecost. They experienced the apostles preaching the gospel for the first time, and people would convert. They would find Jesus. They would say, what they're telling me about Jesus, about God coming down to earth, dying for our sins, and rising from the dead... It appeals to me. It's important to me. Something that they're saying rings true in my heart. And so these people would convert. And when they converted, they would bring their whole family. The apostles would baptize families. Because the family said, if eternal life is available to me, I want it available to everybody in my family. And families would come in, and they would be baptized. Very similar to what we're doing tonight. And we've done it for 2,000 years. The symbols that we use tonight, the name of the Trinity, the water, very ancient symbols. Even the oils began very early, probably within a hundred years of the practice of baptism beginning. The laying on of hands for the confirmation, right? And the Eucharist. They've celebrated the Eucharist as well from the beginning. Tonight, we participate, we participate in that great tradition, right? People look at what we do and they say, oh, that's a nice ritual that you made up. But what I love about the sacraments of the church is that we didn't make it up. We've just inherited what was given to us from the apostles. We've just kept doing it forever just because. 
And that's beautiful because it shows our obedience to Christ. It shows our obedience to the Lord and to what he gave us. When we start making things up ourselves, it doesn't have much meaning because I know me and I'm one, not that creative. And two, I get bored with myself, right? I'm like, oh, that's kind of boring. I hope I have something to preach about because I'm kind of boring, whatever, right? I get bored with myself. Symbols that come from humanity are boring because we're bored with ourselves. But symbols that come from Jesus, that come from God, that we have carried forward because they have that connection to the divine, those are infinitely, infinitely attractive, infinitely interesting. They're fantastic because they are our connection to Jesus. Right? We had the ascension last week. Jesus went up to heaven. He's like, all right, peace, guys. Right? And so it's hard for us to feel that connection to Jesus because he's not right in front of us. But he left us the sacraments. He left us baptism and confirmation and Eucharist, which we will celebrate tonight. And those are our connections to him. Those are the things we can touch and we can feel and we can say, this goes all the way back to Jesus. Jesus gave us this. And somehow, in some mysterious way, by participating in this sacrament, we participate in Jesus. The reading from Ezekiel is very interesting. Because there is a lie, and it's a long reading, so let's see if I can find it. Eh, Well, that's fine. Uh, There's a line where they talk about bringing the bones out from the grave. My people, I will... Where is it? Oh, my people, I will open your graves and have you rise from them and bring you back to the land of Israel. As the early Christians were performing these sacraments, and as we've been doing it for 2,000 years, we don't just doing it forever just because. We think about it. We pray about it. If this is truly a connection with the divine, we try to explain it and understand it. One of the symbols that we came to very early on for baptism is that it's a recreation of the grave. So we have an immersive baptismal font, which is the ancient way of baptizing. Now, I didn't want the poor Schuler family to have to change their clothes uh, by getting super wet, and I wanted you to get out of here on time. So we're not doing an immersion tonight. But we could. And the reason we could, and the reason immersion is interesting, is because the early Christians talked about going under the water as being buried with Jesus. And coming up from the water as being raised with Jesus. And we do that three times. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's representing the three days in the tomb, right? Buried with Jesus and raised with Jesus. Buried with Jesus and raised with Jesus. Buried with Jesus and raised with Jesus. Ezekiel is prefiguring that. When when he's prophesying and he says, Oh my people, I will open your graves and have you rise from them and bring you back to the land of Israel. He's talking in a prefiguring way, about baptism. When we're baptized, we are raised from the grave of original sin. We are raised from the grave of the death given to us by original sin. And we are given new life. We are brought back to the land of Israel, which, in biblical theology, is the new creation. It's the new creation. We are recreated. This entire reading is about being recreated. The bones that are in the grave, the bones that are marked by sin, that can't escape that sin, are given new life. New life through baptism. And then, new life through the Spirit. Because the bones are recreated and they have sinews. And then, I saw the sinews and the flesh come upon them and the skin cover them, but there was no Spirit in them. When we're baptized... 
We are given the Holy Spirit. God breathes the Holy Spirit into us in a powerful way. And God begins to dwell in our very souls, at the very core of our being. Because if we're united to Jesus, as we are when we're buried with him and raised with him, we're also united to his Father in heaven and to the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit dwells in us. It's given to us as an indwelling. God, of course, surrounds us and is with us all the time. But after baptism, he is in us. We can't run from him because he is in us. He is at our very core. When we run from him, we run from ourselves after baptism. And then confirmation completes this process. It seals the gift we were given in baptism. It makes us full members of the church. It's interesting, when you read the Acts of the Apostles, they make a really big deal about the coming of the Holy Spirit. There's a group of, I think it's Samaritans, who are baptized, which is wonderful. And the apostles go down to them, and they're like, yeah, you were baptized, you believe in Jesus now, that's wonderful. But then the apostles realize somehow that they haven't received the Holy Spirit. And they ask, how were you baptized? And the response is, we were baptized with the baptism of John, meaning John the Baptist. And the apostles say, okay, that's not good enough. One, we're going to baptize you in the baptism of Jesus. And then we will lay our hands on you so that the Holy Spirit comes down upon you. The Holy Spirit is an essential aspect of the Christian life. If you read the Acts of the Apostles, it's very, very clear that there is no Christian without the Holy Spirit. And the presence of the Holy Spirit was how they evaluated whether baptism worked. All of us who are baptized, and especially those of us who are confirmed, have received the Holy Spirit. And so it's perfectly appropriate on Pentecost to celebrate this baptism, this acceptance into the church, this confirmation. Because what better day to see the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? What better day to call down the Holy Spirit upon these people in baptism, to seal it in confirmation, and to say, you are now united to Christ. You have his Holy Spirit. God will never depart from you. God will always be with you. You are given his sevenfold graces. What a beautiful way to celebrate Pentecost. What an important sacramental way to experience the Holy Spirit. I hope as you experience this baptism, this profession of faith, this confirmation, and then as you yourselves receive the Eucharist again, it enlivens in you the Holy Spirit who is already dwelling in you. That it stirs the Spirit into an ardor and a zeal and a love. I hope that you feel that connection with the apostles, with Jesus himself who gave us these sacraments. Because everything that we do here tonight, with this baptism, tonight on Pentecost, and every single day in the church, is dedicated to living that unity with Jesus. Is dedicated to allowing the Holy Spirit to live in and through us in everything that we do. Come, Holy Spirit. Enkindle in the hearts of your faithful the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Amen.